Hello and welcome to Your Book. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan. Today we have a treat. A live episode from the Margate Bookie with Lucy Vine, Yomi Adagoki and Laura Kay talking about the books they love and writing their own versions of Happily Ever After. Firstly, I want to tell you that my creative fiction course, Write Like a Reader, is coming back in early 2024. I believe that if you love reading books, you can write one. And over five Zoom sessions, I'll be teaching you everything I know about the craft of novel writing. And most importantly, everything you already know without realising it. The course is designed for writers at any and every level, and I've created it to enhance your knowledge and most importantly, boost your confidence. Every session is available on video playback so you can join when it works for you. If you'd like more information, email creativeconfidenceclinic at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to talk about writing and reading, come and hang out with me here, creativeconfidenceclinic.substack.com. I'll be sharing essays, book recommendations and masterclasses with some of my favourite industry experts. And if you'd like a signed and dedicated copy of any of my books as a Christmas gift, the Margate Bookshop delivers nationwide across the UK. Just go to themargatebookshop.com and let them know which dedication you'd like in the contact section of the website. That includes the novels Limelight, Careering and Insatiable and the non-fiction books The Sisterhood and How to Be a Grown-Up. Now to the episode. We invited some old friends of the podcast, Lucy Vine, Yomi Adagoki and Laura Kay to come to the Margate Bookie in October. They talked about their brilliant books, Seven Exes, The List and Wild Things, as well as what inspires them, what makes them laugh and how much they all love Sophie Kinsella. Enjoy. I've got the most sparkling, magnificent, excellent guests who are going to burnish me with their light. These women are brilliant writers. Uh, we're all talking about romantic comedies and unconventional romantic comedies. I'm here with Laura Kay, Yomi Ergogi and Lucy Vine and... I'm going to ask you all to tell me a little bit about your latest book. Uh, Laura, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Laura, and my third novel is Wild Things. Um, it is a queer rom-com, and it is about a group of friends who live in London who decide to pull their money together and buy a sort of crumbling heap in the countryside and turn it into what they dub the queer commune. And it's sort of about their journey into settling into village life or not uh, but it's much more about being sort of hopelessly humiliatingly in love with your best friend and what happens when you move in together um yeah um hi everyone um thanks for coming to watch us speak even though apparently adam k is on at the same time <laughs> so thank you <laughs> yeah uh, no lock them please um, <laughs> Um, my book, my latest book is called The List. Um, it's quite light, to be honest, on the romantic side, but I think there is, there is some comedy to it. Um, it's essentially about a Instagram famous couple called Ola and Michael, who are due to have a big, fat, like, Instagram wedding in a month's time. And just before the wedding, an anonymous list goes up on social media accusing 70 different men of varying degrees of abuse. Um, dun dun dun, Michael's name is on that list. Um, and Ola is a feminist journalist who's made her name um, pretty much writing about men who have been accused of um, abuse. Um, I got a wow, thank you. <laughs> um, I hope you feel that way if you read it afterwards. Um, and yeah, um, 
essentially Ola has to decide whether she's going to stand by her man or whether she is going to believe what he's been accused of. Um, so as I said, not not immediately, <laughs> doesn't sound very funny, but there, there are definitely moments of humour in it. Hello, I'm Lucy. Uh, my new book is called Seven Exes uh, and it is quite rom-commy. Um, it's actually my most rommy, I would say. I'm, I'm more about the commie. <laughs> Stop saying <laughs> weird made-up words now, sorry. Um, so it's about Esther, who is um, dating and hating it. And she comes home from the latest terrible date uh, to her flatmates and best friends, Bibi and Louise, and uh, complaining as you do. So they decide to get drunk, again, as you do. And uh, in their local pub, they find an old magazine from the early noughties where there's an article that says everybody has seven different types of relationships in their life and one of them is the one but she realizes that she's had all seven of these and hasn't found the one so what if she missed him oh my god um so high stakes um so <laughs> so she and Bibi and Louise all decide to go back and revisit their rom her romantic um mistakes and um terrible consequences ensue it's not it's not um it's not that deep. It's just stupid, really. <laughs> She's an idiot, and it is mostly terrible, because whose romantic history isn't terrible? But hopefully it is funny and maybe a little bit romantic in there as well. But we're all about the alternative romance today, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and I should Down say that... Down with romance. <laughs> all of these books are absolute compelling page-turners, but every single one of them, you come away and you take so much. They really, really stay with you. So I think you both all write about light things and deep things beautifully and you know in a very lifelike way I think you all touched on I suppose you know humor and how important it is in writing and in life um I'd love to hear what inspires you all to be funny and what makes you laugh that's a great question um well when I set out when I wrote my first book I never really set out to write a rom-com. I actually didn't know what genre I was writing in. And I just had a story in my head and I thought, if I can make my friends laugh with this story, I'll be happy. And like, I didn't really think any more than that. So I suppose I just write in the voice that comes naturally to me, which is kind of to talk the way that I talk to people that I know, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's what feels right when it comes out on the page. And I suppose, like, as I continue writing, and so with this book, I realise it's more of like a mechanism to for my characters to communicate with each other where they're not having sort of necessarily sincere, like deep, meaningful conversations, but it's a way to show sort of deep affection or a closeness um, without having to sort of spell that out on the page. Um, and I think it allows you to write about some sort of deeper, more difficult stuff. Um, like there's a it's a light book and it's fun, but there is there's deeper issues issues um, in there, um, and it yeah it allows you to play with like play with it with like a lighter touch, and I think yeah readers can relax into um, like a topic or a subject um, knowing that it's not going to be like heavy handed. So for me, I think that's where like the comedy comes from. Also, like romance is by its nature like so silly and like you know when you're like dating people and you just think oh my god this is awful and ridiculous <laughs> my girlfriend's here sorry not awful <laughs> it's wonderful and perfect but like <laughs> so much of it is rooted in like the stories you tell your friends and you can be sitting there in a moment and just think god I can't wait to tell this story I'm gonna make it so funny and I think that's where a lot of it 
Yeah, I think I resonate with a lot of what you just said. Interestingly, when I first started writing the list, I definitely didn't think it was going to be funny at all um, because you guys have just heard the synopsis. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely didn't set out to make it in any way humorous. Um, and I think as well, being a, you know, um, you know, female author TM, like I already, before I'd even started it, I had lots of reservations about immediately not being taken seriously. I don't know if that's something that you guys have experienced or had, had anxiety around, but I just, I come from quite a, like inverted commas serious background as in like, I was a ch Channel 4 journalist for a long time. I've like written for the God, was writing for the Guardian for a long time. So I think I was cautious about how I would be perceived and how the book would be received if I try to add levity to a story that was quite difficult and dark but also yeah um, women's books are so easily written off as like um, unserious to start with I was like gosh I'm already on the back foot so especially also then writing a book about like Instagram <laughs> the internet there's just so many things that um, made me not want to um, write it with any humor whatsoever I was gonna make it like very serious um and its origins as well originally it was supposed to be a non-fiction like um I was gonna write yeah like a long investigative piece looking at anonymity online and looking at um allegations that are made anonymously online and um I think with that background again it didn't really lend itself to humor and I think what happened was I just couldn't write it without an element of humor. I think that's just how I write generally. Um, even within my journalism, there's always like an element of humor or um, comedy. And I think once I, I mean, there's a really long story in terms of how I decided to stop taking myself so seriously and pull my finger out and actually have a bit of fun with it. But um, yeah, I think eventually I just got to a point where I thought a lot less about how it would be received and just start to write it for myself and I think that's when I started to enjoy it and I think a really big lesson I learned was that it's actually fine for people to enjoy your book <laughs> it doesn't have to be impenetrable and impossible to understand and it doesn't have to be like um hard and horrible to read in order for it to be a good book I think like the word commercials like filthy like in in the publishing industry it's like you know the the dirty word commercial and I think once I lent into the fact that it's actually fine if people like this and buy it and laugh at it um I started to have a lot more fun with it and therefore the book was a lot more fun for it Oh, no, no, it's fine. Keep the mic. Um, you're both so wise, and it's it's exactly what you were both saying. And I am the first to be angry when women's fiction isn't taken seriously. But then I'm also the first to be like, oh, my book's so stupid and silly. Like, don't read it. It's so lie. It doesn't matter. Which is so frustrating and internalized book hatred. Well, I don't know, whatever it is. But um, it's amazing. And there is actually a woman here who has been working on t on making sure women's fiction is taken more seriously. And she'll be really annoyed with me for flagging it. But women's fiction is amazing and I think as you say we're we're coming from the back foot always because so many I mean I'm sure you guys have had this where a man has come up to you and gone I actually enjoyed your book and like <laughs> or would go I wouldn't usually read your books because like I mean we've got three very different books here but we would be lumped into the same 
category just because we are women writing about women. Um, and it seems mad, doesn't it, that a whole 51% of the population is written off as uninteresting and trivial, the fiction we're writing, because we happen to have vaginas or, or identify as women or, you know, like it's so stupid. And I hope that that is changing somewhat. Um, and I'm not even sure that was your question at all, but <laughs> I went with it. I went rogue. <laughs> really great interesting answers thank you and um yeah if the question you want to answer is better than the question that i would ask then go for it yomi you hit on something really interesting that i think it comes up in all of your novels in a great way and talking about how this idea that we sort of hear Instagram and we think of it as being a trivial thing we're in, but now we live online more than we live you know here I'm so happy that we are all here in real life but that we sort of say oh it's Instagram it's silly but it comes with so many emotions it's so complex and also there are so many ways that we can kind of trick and deceive each other and connect it can be a wonderful place and a terrible place and I'd love to hear from you all about whether you've got any thoughts or any perspective on the fact that we've gone through I'm going to say like maybe five years of really intense change and I know the world is always changing but sort of socially politically the way we live online coming out of the pandemic how do how does going through that impact your writing do you want to write about it? And what are the challenges when it comes to wanting to write about what's new and relevant and being inspired by it, but also wondering about whether what you want to write now will you know, work in, in a year or two's time? Yeah, such a brilliant question. Um, it's interesting because I think like, so I think the past few events, I'm sorry, the past few years and the events of the past few years have affected all of us in like a multitude of ways, but I think like quite specifically with the list, first of all, if we didn't have the pandemic, um, the list wouldn't exist. It is one of those, I'm one of those annoying people that like <laughs> during lockdown, like wrote a book, <laughs> but I'm always saying it's cause I can't cook and I can't bake and everyone else was making sourdough bread. <laughs> I can't make sourdough bread. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just write. Um, so yeah, like it literally just, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, there's no way I'd have had the downtime to have written, um, the book basically. Um, and then in terms of, you know, world events, I mean, gosh, the Me Too movement, I think it's the sixth year anniversary in a few weeks or maybe next week, I think. Um, and that's of course in many ways, the genesis of my book in terms of, um, looking at how that unfolded online. And I think what was important for me was, I mean, basically I had the idea in around, I think 2017 or 2018, was really keen to do something on it that was nonfiction as mentioned. But one of the reasons I didn't actually write it at the time is because I think it was slightly too fresh. I do think that distance is like quite important when writing about something topical, but also something really complicated. And I just thought the conversation was slightly too fraught. And I didn't think it was right to try to be complicating a conversation that we'd only just started having, basically. So um, I shelved it and then I came back to it maybe like a year later as a play. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was lockdown. Um, and it's been so interesting because, you know, I wrote it in 2020. I think I got the deal in 2021. And it's just, just came out this July. And there's 
a lot of like distance now. I mean, yeah, like several years distance. But that being said, I, it's it still feels strangely topical because yeah, and I think I keep saying this to people that I think it's going to feel. Everyone's like, this is really zeitgeisty. <laughs> That's the word. And I'm like, I think it's gonna feel zeitgeisty for some time, just because so there's still so much conversations we had in that area. So. Yeah, because men continue to be dicks. <laughs> and that's, I mean, so it probably will be topical forever. <laughs> like, and the internet continues to be terrible. So yeah, I think it's just like, it's been really interesting. Because I think like, I, I, there was a kind of push to get it out on time. So it's like, oh my gosh, the conversations might change and it might not be as relevant. And I'm like, it just feels more relevant than ever, except Twitter is now called X, which just completely obliterated our marketing campaign. <laughs> oh my God, like we had a, um, the tagline was originally verified couple, verified rumor. No, verified couple, unverified rumors. And I'm like, verification does not mean what it used to. I was, that's why I hate Elon Musk. I don't, I don't know why you guys, like, no, that, that is my personal gripe with him, but yeah. He's calling it X. Yeah, no, no one's calling it, no, but now I have to be like X. Formerly known as so like you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Are you gonna get it changed for the paperback? Um, I got oh shit. I'm oh, thinking, did we put sorry, that on the book? I'm actually checking. I think it's in there. I think, I think we actually have it. Yep. Oh my god, it says verified. <laughs> verified rumors. I wasn't sure if we actually put it in there, but like yeah, no, we did. Um, we are definitely changing that for paperback. Yeah, it's changed everywhere else. Yeah, it's changed everywhere else. Anyway. But the other thing is, I think that the way books and stories live in our imagination, exactly what you were saying about the zeitgeist and this weird, I think the four of us are probably extremely online and, you know, we've all lost our blue ticks and we're very sad about it and we're not giving that my money. Um, but the sort of the wider, like, you know, when my mum goes into a bookshop, she still thinks that, you know, verified couple and verified rumours, she knows what that means because it's it lives, it's, something that sort of exists in other books on TV, yeah. in film. And I think it's, it's really so... a really good tagline, by the way. It is Elon brilliant. Has slightly. It only, only ruined it 10%. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> so, yeah, but I really understand that anxiety about being time. And um, Lucy and Laura, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, that we, I think, because we're all, are we all journalists? Um, that ang being, something being sort of super new and super current and actually... You know, our ideas that are a few years old probably still the way people think about things. Yeah, like I remember a couple of years ago at Frankfurt uh, Book Fair, which is actually just finished now this year, um, the bookseller came out and they were talking about trends and every year they talk about trends. And one of the trends was LGBT. And I... I uh, yeah, it's, I was like, that's cool. Yeah, I'm cool, I guess. Um, and it, but it was so uh, jarring to see it in those terms because I was like, oh, I'm not writing like a trendy book. I'm just writing about the characters that I'm writing about. Um, but it made me super hyper aware that it, if it's a trend now, it could not be trending next year. And yeah, it just really was um, eye-opening. And I get asked a lot, like, where do you think publishing is and where do you think it's going and like are we on the right trajectory and I'm like I honestly have no idea because publishing will always follow the money and it's really trendy right now like there's a lot of people um like book talk's been like incredible for helping like queer stuff trend and like sell loads of copies so that's great but it could be something else another time and so to think of the thing that you're writing about as possibly being trend-led 
is is difficult. So I suppose in the terms of like things being timely, I just have to write what I'm writing and hope that there's still an audience. I mean, I know there's an audience for it, but about whether it will get pushed to an audience. Um, and like, you know, everyone who is like publishing books knows that it's all about whatever is going to be like the thing in that moment. Um, but it's quite weird when it's like your like character's sexuality and gender that could be the thing that like turns people off or on. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have an answer because I'm not trendy. I'm not cool. <laughs> These guys are cool. They're trendy. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think writing about romance and being funny or trying to be funny and friendship and all of this stuff and life is always going to be zeitgeisty, isn't it? Like, it's our lives and I'm, I just am trying to write what feels real and I feel like increasingly we're allowed to explore those subjects and like there was quite a lot around 7x is one of the sort of main feedback <laughs> from readers I've had is, is how Esther my main character isn't very likable like it's it's had lovely lovely reviews I don't want to make it sound like everyone hates it <laughs> some people do um but um Esther is a difficult character to like a lot of this book and and I found myself sort of apologizing for that and feeling bad and feeling a bit defensive about it at times. And then I have to keep reminding myself that I was trying to do that because I don't think that our heroine should have to be likable because I'm not particularly likable a lot of the time. Um, I mean, right now I'm fucking wonderful. But, you know, a, a lot of the time, catch me in the right moment. But um, there is that thing, and I do think women's fiction is expanding and we there's not so much pressure to fit into some one genre and i was quite tempted to say to you what genre but you don't have to be in a genre don't be in a genre <laughs> but i like that i think women's fiction is expanding and becoming less rigid and our characters are becoming more more interesting and we don't have to fall over to be likable you know what i mean like it's it's exciting time i think for women's fiction thank you liz i think you're all absolutely right laura i was interested that you mentioned uh book talk and one thing that does maybe feel different now is perhaps 20 years ago, we were told what we had to like, and there was a real, like, it's in the broadsheets, this is cool, this is the thing. And for, you know, all that's sort of toxic and terrifying and problematic, what the internet does do is it gives readers so much space to champion and fall for the voices and talk about the books they want to hear and kind of begin to dictate their terms like as readers what are the books that you all want to champion and what makes you excited to read i knew right this question comes up every single time you do an event and i always say i need to prepare for it because um I, my mind goes blank and i've i'm like i've actually never read a book <laughs> <laughs> um i can't think of a single book that or, i've read can you remember the first book were there any books you read when you were younger where you thought well, this is writing i want in <laughs> I'm buying these guests time. Um, actually, I have just thought, so um, there was a book that I was just talking about last week that I am very excited about, and it's not a new book. I think it came out two years ago, but it actually does tie into like the book, the book talk thing. So there's an author called Melinda Lowe, and she writes um, really beautiful sort of like sapphic fiction, and like she started writing YA, um, and she has written tons of stuff and it's been really popular with like a cult following and then she wrote a book called Last Night at the Telegraph Club about um, first generation Chinese American immigrants in San Francisco and during the 1950s ABBA and uh, this 
young girl becomes obsessed with a drag king at a local club and it is beautiful beautiful and it flew on book talk like for whatever reason it like captured something and um it's like outsold all of her other books and it won a national book award and it's just like changed her career and it's brilliant because she's such a fantastic writer and i suppose that's like the power of book talk i actually think i came to melinda from reading about her online and um, you know that it's going to be good when millions of readers have said, I like this because I've bought it, rather than seeing an advert for it or the publishers telling you how good it is. So I would say that, last night at the Telegraph Club, but anything by Melinda, so, so good. Thank you for your sacrifice. I now have books because you've <laughs> bought me so much time. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I was like, taking note of the brilliant book you're describing and also being like, what have I read, what have I read? Um, but my... The book, I think one of my books of the year, I'm going to do two, um, one non-fiction, one fiction. Absolutely loved um, Jodie Chapman, and she wrote, um, God, I love the book so much, I can't remember what it's called. Um, sorry? She wrote Versus the Serial Killer. No, um, she wrote, oh my God, all that time you bought me. Goodness, what's it, sorry? Oh, sister. Oh, sister, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We love, a, we love a helpful king. <laughs> Some men are good. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, sister was phenomenal. Like, absolutely brilliant book about um, women who had um, been like excommunicated from. I, I think it was sort of um, meant to be based on people who were Jehovah's Witnesses or something. Or I can't remember what the religion it was like what Christian denomination it was meant to be, but um, it's just beautifully lyrically written. And it, people always say like, oh, I wish I'd written this book about books they like. And I never feel that way except about this book. <laughs> like I actually wish I wrote Oh Sister. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, she's very, very gifted. And then my second book is my other favorite book of this year by um, Harriet Gibb. God, I still can't pronounce her name because we had this on the last episode <laughs> that I did with you on your book. Harriet Gibson? Gib Gisbone? Gibson, yes, I did this last time. Sorry, Harriet, again. Um, who wrote um, Is This Okay, which was like a memoir um, about her being an absolute lunatic online. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I think she's, she's just such a brilliant writer, and I think it speaks to your point about likability, because um, I thought it was fantastic, and I recommended it to lots of people. And lots of people said they also thought it was fantastic. Other people were like, oh, well, I didn't find her likable. And I genuinely didn't understand what that had to do with anything. I was like, okay, and did you like the book, though? <laughs> like, it's brilliantly written. Like, I think likability is a prerequisite, like, for women's fiction in particular, in order to make a book good is bizarre to me. Because people, like, bloody love The Sopranos, and I love Breaking Bad, and it's just shows full of tossers and everyone's like this is amazing and i'm like it is amazing my favorite show is peep show and i'm like everyone is dreadful <laughs> why does it well i don't know i think i'm always saying i think it's a weird thing with books like maybe because it's they're in your head you yeah. just struggle with the closeness of them but loved um is this okay and i think harriet and jody deserve all the awards they're brilliant well don't hand me because you were using the time to think i was just thinking how curly your eyelashes are <laughs> <laughs> i i haven't really <laughs> You're both so beautiful. <laughs> just so useless at this, sorry. Um, what was the question? <laughs> um, no. I know, I'm, I am the worst example. I'm so sorry. 
I'm the worst. But we can all be different. Whatever. I am terrible. Um, do you know what? I can't really remember any books. But I did read Yellowface, and that's what I was thinking of. The whole, like, not being, like, like actually being a full-on villain. Like, and I loved that. That, was, that felt such a... I mean, so many layers to it as well. But the fact that you got to have a full-on villain and the voice... Uh, is the person you're following the whole way through it anyway I, I adored that I thought it was brilliant um, so I don't I can't really remember anything I've read lately I tend to not really read uh, women's fiction uh, rom-com sorry um, except in a work way I love them but I find it really difficult when I'm trying to write because I feel like I'm just going to start stealing someone else's voice so I, I actually read quite a lot of thrillers when I'm trying to write so I actually have just been like binging on Lisa Jewell lately to be honest but it's she is she is great she is really good um but yeah apart from that I don't I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> but I want to read every single one of these books I can't, I'm so glad you mentioned Harriet Gibson because I sort of I was like this sounds incredible and then I immediately I think you know it fell out of my head so this is definitely a sign from the universe that I have to read it Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the Fileo fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. We'll be back to Lucy, Yomi and Laura soon, but now it's time for my Steal of the Week. I've chosen Nobody Will Tell You This But Me by Bess Kalb, a funny and profoundly touching memoir that comedy writer Bess wrote based on conversations and voice messages from her beloved grandmother. Sometimes heartwarming and sometimes heartbreaking, knowing, sharp and shocking, and very funny, this is a book I'll be coming back to often. And I can already think of at least five women I love who'll be getting it for Christmas. Huge thanks to Katie Clapham of Bookish. I bought it on her recommendation. I definitely recommend her newsletter. Go to katieclapham.substack.com. Nobody Will Tell You This But Me is published by Little Brown and out now. Now back to Lucy, Yomi and Laura. Um, you know, I think as well, it is so good to for all of us just read as widely as we can and I'm sure you know you degree the most I've learned about writing is from reading and it is amazing I think when we sort of break out of our comfort zone what kind of you know what jolts us and what and I think when we're in our sort of area like Lucien is Seven X's is your fifth book so when you're so familiar with those beats and then reading a thriller where something sort of takes you by surprise and it's it feels unexpected I'd love for all of you to just tell me a little about kind of your writing routines and how you write and how it feels on those days where you really feel the wind behind you and you're really excited and how you get past it on those days where you just do not want to do it but you know you need to get your bum in the chair. Um, Well, when I was writing my first two books, I was still working full-time. I worked at The Guardian. Um, And so it was only... I wrote on the tube, I wrote on my lunch breaks, I wrote all the time and I actually now that I think about it think that that suits me really well um to have to right because now I don't have to right um it's just a there's just so much time in front of me and I could use it for all kinds of things um with wild things I wrote that 
uh, really quickly, in about three months, actually. And I've never written anything so quickly in my life. I don't know what happened. The story fell out of me. The book that I'm writing, well, I'm on the last of my edits right now that comes out next year, has been a real slog. Um, and it's been much harder. Um, and so on really difficult writing days, mostly it's a case of dragging myself out of the house, not working from home, working anywhere but home. I, I write really well on trains. I write really well on the tube. I've been known to sit on the tube and go up and down because it just it does something to my brain where I can just write. You better believe I do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. And like, I, I often find myself giving advice to people because people say, oh, you know, how do you do it? I just I know I've got a book in me and I can't. And I kind of feel a bit of a fraud because I'm like, you know, you just have to do it. And that is easier said than done. Um, it's when there's a blank page or you've got a plot hole or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, getting out of my house helps. Um, and sitting on the tube helps. I hope that's useful. <laughs> I love that because when I asked the question I really was not expecting you to say going up and down on the tube but that's brilliant um yeah I mean I'm like lockdown <laughs> like lockdowns really help unfortunately um right I like the next pandemic <laughs> but yeah like honestly I think just that forced amount of time is really really useful which is why I actually don't know how I'm gonna write my second one so unless that yeah literally unless I like spread bird flu or something because I really don't know like I think it was just like the thought like I had that time by force and as you said I think when time just you know stretches ahead of you it's really easy to just not do it um but what I try to do is like set myself like really basic stuff like set myself daily limits I usually set like a limit of 2,000 words a day and like to be honest I try to be like I tend to waste most of the day and then it'll literally get to 11.30 and I'm like oh my god and I panic <laughs> and then I like try to write like 2,000 words in like um at half night. an hour yeah at night like yeah like exactly literally um but um I do when I'm in that space like I do tend to be able to stick to it in terms of just being like you know done is better than perfect I really like I mean, the next day I'll read it back and I'll have to delete like 1,500 words because it's like, yeah. does it make sense? Yeah, no, I really, that's the trick, isn't it? <laughs> that is the trick. Um, but yeah, I think I've always just kind of stuck to that thing of just doing it, like just trying to, and also writing at like any time of day. So sometimes I literally will not start writing until the evening. Sometimes I'll do like the vast majority, like before my, my lunch break. But I think it's just more for me about like doing it like, um, whenever I can and making sure that I hit that word count even if it's like not legible at all or like readable I do have a, a follow-up question which I think possibly only applies to you or me and not Laura or Lucy but you guys correct me if I'm wrong your first book Slay in Your Lane you wrote with Elizabeth Ibivene uh, and yeah. what was it like did it feel very different it's obviously it's different as well because it's non-fiction fiction but have going from having a writing partner and someone that you've sort of almost got to meet the deadline with yeah. to being doing it on your own how did that feel uh absolutely horrible <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've ever shied away from the fact that like i hated the writing process <laughs> it was horrible um but yeah i think with elizabeth um i mean elizabeth's been my best friend for like over 10 years and um, we lived together at the time and it was just it was really it was like a really fun like group project <laughs> it was like literally it was like we're back at uni and um you know it was it was a great time like you know it wasn't 
necessarily easy, but we did loads of interviews. We got to meet loads of really cool people in the process. And we we're both really excited about it. And we we're also both really, really young. <laughs> we we're like in our early 20s. So we just had loads more energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, like just not, I've got them always tired. <laughs> I'm always tired. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, it was really fun. And I think obviously writing, um, sorry non-fiction like I wasn't I had zero insecurity about it I'm always saying like I hadn't really had to do anything new or that I was bad at since like A levels because you drop everything like look GCSEs I was like oh I'm really rubbish at maths but never did that again got a calculator <laughs> like do you know what I mean never did physics again um and then non-fiction has like you know I've been a journalist it's the only job I've ever really had so like I was really confident in that space as well as a non-fiction writer and then it was fiction and I was just like riddled with insecurity and on my own <laughs> It was like, I didn't have Elizabeth to be like, we've got this girl. Like we'd have our little shifts of like feeling shit, but there was always the other person that wasn't. So we kind of like, it, it was amazing. But then with this, it was like, I was on my own. And then being like to my editor, this is shit. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, it's literally your job to say it's not. <laughs> like, I don't believe you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was a lot harder. But um, I mean, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it was completely horrid, <laughs> even though it was. <laughs> it was, it was, it definitely was. But it definitely, it had its moments. I just think that, like with nonfiction, it was like something that came really naturally to me and also I was doing it with my best friend. So yeah, it was very, very different. Um, that's funny because I went from being a magazine journalist to writing books and I found it sort of easier because I was just making it up. <laughs> you don't have to do meticulous research and readbacks to your case studies. Um, but it has been hilarious. Like you say, it's my fifth book and I did think that by now I would have figured out that I have a routine of some sorts, and I don't. <laughs> I, I do not know from day to day how shit I'm going to be. Um, but I definitely, I love, the, the main thing I love about writing books is that first draft, actually. But it takes me a while. I have to, I think I've had to accept that I will have a long procrastination period at the beginning. And I think it's because I don't know the people I'm writing yet. So I have to get to know them and like, and I write a lot of plan. I don't know if you guys are planners. I'm a big planner. So I will be like thinking about these characters a lot uh, for like a month and, and adding bits to my plan and adding bits to the character when I should be writing. But I've had to accept that I think that that is part of my process. And then when I come to actually write it, I, I am very quick like you and I, I um, that maybe it's a journalist thing I don't know because we've always had to like hit a word count and a deadline so I really do need a deadline that is quite important my my editor knows to tell me a deadline and she's probably much sooner than I actually need to get it in but she's she knows that I need it um but yeah so I I am a morning person I realize that if it's like lunchtime and I haven't done anything I'm probably not going to do anything <laughs> Uh, and I just accept the nap. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. I think you just have to accept as a writer, and I'm sure there's lots of writers here in this room that you just have to go with it. And when when it's there, it's and it's happening, it's magical. And when it's not, just nap. <laughs> really brilliant, different, and wonderful well, answers. Thank you all so much. How's your writing process? Um, yeah, I um, have. To <laughs> Crying, mostly. Lots of crying. Yeah. Crying, panicking. No, I think if I don't do it in the morning, I don't do it. I try with very limited results to not look at emails or social media. I try not to let anything else get in my head. 
I try to do morning pages, which I'm sure lots of you are familiar with. It is, um, why can I never remember her name? Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, which is a creativity program. I only ever get as far as the morning pages, which is freehand, three pages of handwritten nonsense. And I always think, well, what I've written makes Father Ted's golden cleric speech of bitterness look like Malala accepting the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> it's a real... Um, but also I think it, it is like, I don't know, cleaning a bathroom or sort of skimming some horrible thing off the surface to get to kind of the clear water underneath. Um, but yeah, but I think as well, it's the best advice I've ever, writing advice I've ever had, and I don't know if you agree, is that just because it feels horrible and intense and awful, it doesn't mean that it is bad and it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. You just have to get through it to get to it being good. And I'm, I run. I am not a natural runner. And most of the time running feels horrible, but every so often it feels great. And I think writing's the same, where you've just got to plod through it until you, that's the only way that you get to the good bits. Um, so shortly... We will be, these guys will be signing books. I will be signing my books too if anyone wants them, but you know, it's all about these guys here. Um, these books are all beautiful and brilliant. They are, I think, so perfect for now because they do feel zeitgeisty. And even though they are exploring complex themes, there's a lightness to them. And that's what I'm craving at the moment. Christmas is coming. Signed books make beautiful presents. And how cool would it be for the people you love to open a book that is dedicated to them on Christmas morning? Um, so we're going to be over in the bookshop, as Dale said. But before we go over, does anyone have any questions for our brilliant panellists? Please ask questions. Hello. I've got a question and a recommendation. Um, my question is, are you all romantics? And my recommendation is a book called Experienced that's coming out next year. Kate. By Kate. <laughs> I'm very excited. They've moved it to Matt. Kate Young. You know the little library cookbook lady? Yeah. Her. It's her first work of fiction, and it is exquisite. I'm a Libra. I don't know if that means anything to anyone here, but <laughs> if you don't know, yeah, I'm painfully, hopelessly, like, romantic. Like, to the point of, like, embarrassment, which is why when people oh, read this... Oh, happy like, birthday! Like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, yeah, it was my birthday, actually. Like, it was. <laughs> Thank you. Because, um, you know, this is a fellow, like, astrology person, I can tell. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I love love so much. Um, so much so that the points, like, when I was writing the, you know, tumultuous relationship with a couple, I'd be like, oh, can't I just, like switch this up you know what I mean so I can make them happy like yeah um which I did not <laughs> but yeah um yeah so I love love lots what are you um for the most rom-commy person probably here traditional rom-com I am actually incredibly unromantic I'm horribly dead inside <laughs> But I was single for a long time and I was determined to stay single and I feel like I've let myself down because I got married last year. <laughs> but I do love him, he's okay, you know, like it's all good. But I think as long as romance is, a, it's like an alternative romance, right? That's what we're here for. That is, I, I love the little thoughtful things, but romance, I find it quite quite cringy which is so stupid because I do write rom-coms but anyway yeah so sorry please save me Laura okay. <laughs> say you're a romantic um I think I am a romantic I really like um all the fun aspects of romance and writing romance. like having a crush is like the best and worst thing in the world yeah what horoscope thingy are you? I'm a Taurus okay is that, is that, that, that does that does check out yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
The next book is actually called Date with Destiny, and I've had to do so much. Like I've been so woo curious for years, and now I'm like finally getting oh. into all this stuff. But I still don't understand horoscopes. I still don't get it. Explain it to me. Daisy, are you romantic? I am a Pisces, and I. Such a Pisces. Um, I think I am romantic, but you know, Lucy, like you, I think it is intimate acts of thoughtfulness that really charm me and really move me. And what I loved about your books in this panel, and um, I think in different ways, it comes up challenging. I think some of the really old romantic tropes we're fed are so toxic and so sexist and so sort of heteronormative. And it's but oh, this this man's going to come along and solve everything. And actually, you know, what I love about romance is that sort of the you know being very nerdy together about details and and sharing books I think is incredibly romantic it's huge to and it's really really intimate I think to have a book you love and share that with someone that you love so when can um, I just amend myself at what you said because I am really romantic with my friends and I know that sounds weird but I think I'm very sweet and thoughtful and loving with my friends but my poor husband doesn't get it (laughs) Well, he is a man. No, I'm joking. But um, also, I wanted to add on to what you said, Daisy, that I once saw a tweet which said, the sluttiest thing a man can do is read your favourite book. And I think that is so true. (laughs) I remember I once told a guy, like, I loved The Handmaid's Tale, and then he brought it on our first date. And I was with him for four and a half years. (laughs) So, yeah, quite literally, yeah. He was a shit in all other ways. He was. He thought it was a manual. Call to order. I think we have time for one more question. If you've got anything, hello at the front. Um, I'd be really intrigued if have any of you or are you fans of kind of previous generations of like romantic kind of I don't want to say chick lit, but you know that kind of authors and has that inspired your work and have you seen like an evolution in how the heroine is portrayed? Dilly Cooper, million percent. I just have to say that. Oh my god, I'm so sorry I got distracted. I have your boots. <laughs> the yeah. silver ones, they're fab. Yeah, so I've got, got those yesterday. That's why I'm like, um, they're so nice. Anthropology. Yeah, they're so good. Um, sorry. <laughs> what was I saying? Women. Yeah, um, that's it. Women's fiction. I read a lot of um, Daniel Steele and um, what's it? Jackie Collins. Someone had a Jackie Collins bag. Yeah. I read a lot of Jackie Collins and a lot of Daniel Steele. And I don't feel like it, it's inspired my, probably inspired my personal life. <laughs> Not I feel like in terms of serving Luke's Jackie Collins is right? I think she taught me to be a diva from a early, early age. But um yeah, and I think it was like very formative to like my like yeah, sexual awakening as like a young person and stuff. But like um yeah, in terms of like I, it's it's funny because I like tried to read some Jackie Collins quite recently and was like, oh wow, this is like very much of its time. <laughs> um which I don't actually always think is a bad thing though, because I think I think it's actually quite interesting to have things that are like almost like time capsules of sorts and really be like, wow, like things have really changed. And um, her, her protagonists and like heroines were like certainly strong in their own way, um, but it very much was like a product of its time. Still, still, still kind of bad. Lisa though, Jules' kind of good. first novel, Ralph's Party, is like imprinted in my brain. And I think I was 15 and it came free with Elle. And I, I could recite that book from memory. I loved it. So, but just. 
It was just the guy to being grown, and I think it must have been about the year 2000, and it was the most 90s kind of, you know, glossy, new labour, Britpop, everyone's just smoking skunk and having a lovely time. And it was still, I, if, I, I wish there was a Ralph's party theme park I could go to. If there was like a Ralph, you know how people do like cosplay weekends and they dress up and they're like Austin ones and Medieval Village ones, and I would go to a Ralph's party one, take my money. I'm reading that now. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting in Deborah Levy with like. Oh, I was just going to say Sophie Kinsella. Oh yes, yeah. That's I was obsessed, and um, Becky Greenwood is that her name? Bloomwood. 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 I I just think she's the perfect protagonist. She was so like silly and so smart and funny as well and I just I loved them I think they're genius that yeah. be, when I and again I think I was 15 or 16 and I got given a copy of the secret dream world of Shopaholic and it's just the first two words that don't panic don't panic and that was it was a real like <laughs> those letters of, to the bank manager you're, al- the bank you're, so you're allowed to write like this and it's yeah. a novel this is a grown-up novel with a grown-up yeah. person yeah. but it's it's allowed and it's so funny yeah I had that same revelation because as a kid I thought I was really clever and, and pretentious and didn't read that kind of stuff and I would be bored as hell reading my Charles Dickens in the corner of my room and I remember hearing my sister laughing her head off in the room next door and going to find out what it was and it was Shopaholic and I yeah she was my gateway drug to Marion Keys and I'm still just so obsessed with Marion Keys but it was it was that sort of thing of like oh my god you can be funny in books like it's so stupid that hadn't occurred to me before but it was such a huge revelation and I would say like Sophie Kinsella and Marion Keys have been like the biggest influences on my writing non like full stop Everyone, thank you so much. That was so much fun for me. I hope it was fun for you. I feel like I've lost control of the panel in the best way. Please, please do come and meet these brilliant, brilliant writers. Get your books signed. I love these books so much. These women are wonderful. Can we have the most enormous round thank of applause so for Laurie on Huge thanks to Lucy, Yomi and Laura. Seven X's, The List and Wild Things are all out now and they're wonderful. They'd make excellent Christmas gifts. Also, huge thanks to the Margaret Bookie team. Your Book is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and created by Dale Shaw and me, Daisy Buchanan. You can find us and follow us on social media at MyBooked and you can find a list of all the books our guests mentioned at acast.com booked and shop the selection on our page at bookshop.org. We love five-star reviews from listeners. It helps people to find us and helps them find their new favourite books. Huge thanks to everyone who's left us a lovely review. We really, really appreciate it. Finally, I leave you with this from E.M. Deatherfield. I'm asked what I think of Harry Hume, but am unable to say, as I have not read it. Have a depressed feeling that this is going to be another case of Orlando, about which was perfectly able to talk most intelligently until I read it and found myself, unfortunately, unable to understand any of it. See you next time. <laughs>